going on, everybody? This is SecDevOps.ai. Yes, sir. Welcome back to the show. Glad to be back again. We're doing an excellent job here at Black Hat DefCon. Uh, many, many special guests. Uh, we have Chris Harn. Harms. Harms. Sorry, sorry about that. It's Chris right. Harms. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we recently met. Uh, your background, incredible, very impressive. Right. Yeah. I would love for you to share it with uh, the audience. Yeah, I was captivated. I was like, oh, are we recording this? I mean, it's, it's <laughs> yeah. such a story. Yeah, uh, so if you can just kind of go through it. Sure. I feel like it's very lucky, but, uh, you know, if it's useful for the, for the folks to know. Big um, time. Yeah, so I went to George Washington University in D.C., and uh, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I think like most people who, who go, I was like, oh, maybe I'll do engineering, maybe I'll do finance. And um, I ended up uh, uh, taking an applied science track, which was kind of like a general engineering degree. And I was building a network for uh, the apartment that I was living in with like 14 other guys because you know, we didn't want to pay for internet individually. <laughs> mm -hmm. And um, I built a Slack Linux router and ran mm -hmm. the cables and you know, crimped and did all that stuff. Yep. And uh, stopped working and didn't know why and I, I called a friend of mine who helped me build it and uh, turned out it was hacked and so that was kind of a fascinating like why would someone want to like mess with my computer this right, is so weird right. right and so this is kind of circa maybe 2000 yeah probably 2000 2001 yeah and uh, that person who came over to help me uh, was Adam Myers. Of uh, He's the VP of intelligence yep. at CrowdStrike. So we went to college together, and uh, he had an internship at the GW InfoSec team mm -hmm. at the time, which had actually won some awards for being a, a great InfoSec team in, mm -hmm. in education. Wow. And uh, he passed that on to me. And so I, I had an, an, another great mentor, uh, Amy Hennings, who just – poured into me like a student needs to be poured into, right? You can yeah. do no wrong. Here's all the tech. I mean, we're, we're playing around with vulnerability scanners and Nokia firewalls, if, if you can remember those. Yeah. And, um, you know, that was just an, a great opportunity for me to realize like, oh, wow. Like, and even to this day, actually, I still talk to her and she's still that 100% positive, uh, you know, kind of, kind of influence in my life. And so uh, when I think about uh, how, how I take on and interact with, you know, even new employees or, or younger folks who are coming through, I, I, I put my mental model on and I think, yeah. okay, what would Amy Hennings do in this particular That's situation? Awesome. And so, uh, I got a great, uh, exposure there. And then I ended up at the government accountability office. Adam also helped me get that job at, at SRA. But one of the, the other ways, uh, which for folks who are out there trying to get into areas was I actually found who Adam's boss was. <laughs> and I said, can I just career day this dude? Right. I just want to meet him for like an hour, right? Yeah. I want to be super yeah. respectful of his time. And yeah. so I walked in I, and I flat out asked him, how do I have your job? <laughs> that's, like, I'm that's, young, that's a good right? question. How that's can a, I get there? Yep. And he laid it out for me. Mm -hmm. And that was great. I was probably, you know, maybe 19 at the time. And when I was ready wow. to graduate, he was the call. And I said, hey, I'm, I'm ready for that track. Wow. And let's, let's go. So, so that happened. I, I did two years at the Government Accountability Office. Um, and for all of you SOC operators and analysts out there, I, I feel for you. When I'm thinking hmm. about building product and design, I mm -hmm. think about you. I think about yep. no window cubicles mm -hmm. and thousands of IDS alerts every day and using a product that you absolutely hate because the vendor never never used it. <laughs> and then, uh, oh man, the stories that come out of that in terms of how you end up with technology yeah. that you didn't want and right. that, you know, some sales guy up at the sea level snuck in a deal and you yep. end up with, you know, the garbage instead of the good stuff. And you're an alert fatigue city. Oh, uh, yes. It's brutal. It's brutal. Yes. So I've, I've been there. And then, um, you know, I started to get restless. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I like to move. I like to travel. 
And uh, I learned a lot in that, but I was like, ah, oh, there's got to be more here, right? I'm looking for the forefront of security. How do I get there? Mm. And I remember it, it, uh, just coming out of college, seeing a, a talk by a guy named Kevin Mandia. And Kevin was this have bag, will travel, IR guru. And mm -hmm. him and Matt Pepe would would go to these fascinating places at a whim and solve crime and hunt yeah. attackers. And I was like, wow, that is that is amazing. I want mm -hmm. I want to do that. Mm -hmm. And um, so when I, when he had spoke, I remember specifically I, I ended up at a lunch uh, via GW and uh, I asked him, how do I get where you are if I want to work on your team? Just flat out. Right. Yeah. Again, very direct. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I let it be known that these are the things that I want to do. And he said, well, almost nobody um, that's working here doesn't have a master's degree. And mm -hmm. I was like, oh, OK, I need a master's degree. Right. And so. Two years in, I applied for an, a National Science Foundation scholarship to go get back and get my master's degree, and I and I got that. And I was looking at the program, and I was like, "Man, I need to, I need some prep work here." Yep. And uh, I wanted to get ahead of the schedule. I took a, a class on my own dime because I saw Kevin was teaching it yeah. in the program, and I was like, "Oh, this is a great opportunity for yeah. me." And so I just kind of signed up, and I I wasn't super paying attention to what it was about. I was mm -hmm. like, "It's probably that IR," and you know, mm -hmm. I, I've done a little bit of this. I could probably figured out. And um, as I was getting into the class, I realized I was in a class with um, uh, people who were getting their master's degree in computer forensics, mm -hmm. and they were at the end of their degree. So they had already spent two years studying, and this was the right. cap this was the capstone class. Yeah, this is it. So I'm like the new guy in the class, and everybody's <laughs> like, "Who's this random dude who's not been in our program for two years?" I'm like, okay. And uh, not the first time I've made a mistake like this, but yeah. sometimes it works out. And I think, well, I'll yeah. just mm -hmm. I'll bail out if it if uh -huh. it gets hairy. And um, I just worked hard, and I, I met a, gr a bunch of great students there. In fact, I ran into one at Black Hat. I have not seen it 15 years. Is you familiar? I was like, were you at? Yes. Oh, my God. We were in the same class 15 years 15 ago. 15 years ago. It That's was, insane. It, wow. my, um, our minds exploded. Yeah. And, um, and so, uh, yeah, I studied about halfway through. Uh, you know, Kevin said, what are, you, what are you doing in this program? And I said, well, I'm, I'm going to go back. You said I had to get my master's degree. <laughs> What are you, why you are you me asking me that? I'm, yeah. I am working on this, right? Like, I'm trying hard. <laughs> he's like, everybody else, not you. <laughs> right. He's actually, he was like, yeah, no, you don't need to do that. And I was like, are you kidding me? I'm, like, How in, I'm in the program. You're telling me I don't need to be here. And he said, you need to come work for me. And I, I was super hesitant because this was a, this was a startup. There was, um, I don't know, seven, eight people at the time. And um, his pitch was, you're going to go through this program and you're going to read these books by these guys. And these guys work at my company. Yeah. And I was like, yep. "Oh, okay, that's a wow. good, that's a good pitch." Yeah. If you, I mean, if you get that pitch, you you can take it. Um, so I did, and um, that we we started at uh, the company name was Redcliffe Consulting before Mandian started. We were based in a uh, the basement of a Thai restaurant. Wow. In, uh, in Alexandria, Virginia, and uh, there are lots of crazy stories about living a weird startup life. But <laughs> I got to tell you, I especially gotta, back then. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Um, yeah, it wasn't a, you know, it wasn't a beautiful venture capital moment where you, right. you know, move in and, you know, everybody has Ferraris, yeah. right? It was yeah. like, you're going down to the local pizza joint and then sharing, sharing a single bathroom with everybody, yeah. you know, inside of this, like one bedroom apartment underneath the Thai restaurant with no windows. Um, so it wasn't, wasn't exactly ideal, but we were almost never in the office because we were had bag, will travel, yep. IR mm -hmm. people. And the education that I got from that whole exposure um, I kind of immersed myself in it. Um, my wife was going through grad school at the time and it was very easy for me to just 100% commit. So mm -hmm. I think, um, for most of the first five, probably five of seven years, I was billing, um, uh, you know, between two and 3000 hours a year, which is wow. a lot, right? You're, you're full yeah. on full time and, yeah. uh, you're everywhere. 
And so I got great mentorship from the founders of Mandiant, from Kevin, from um, Brian Dykstra, from Keith Jones and the likes. Yep. And uh, and they attracted a great crew. And, uh, you know, that crew can be found kind of everywhere inside of uh, the security industry today. Yeah. So, right. yeah, that that um, that was it. I actually, after five years there, after working so hard, I started to try and explore like another part of my life. Like, you know, this yeah. work thing, you, you want to do it all the time. But at some mm-hmm. point, you're like, eh, I need a break. Right. Yep. And um, I tried to go snowboarding. And if you're from D.C., you know how difficult that is. Yeah. Right. right. It's just you're driving for like three hours for the worst snow. Yeah. And <laughs> otherwise, you're 10 hours into Vermont. It's just not ideal. And then I tried biking. And D.C. is a very dangerous biking place. It, yes, it definitely. is. Yeah. Yes, it uh, is. And we were right in the city. And so I was, I was really struggling to find kind of an outlet. And um, at the time, I was like, you know, I'm going to move. And we, we were looking at L.A. and for, for a couple different reasons, we couldn't, couldn't make it. My wife uh, was looking for jobs out, out there and everything mm-hmm. was medicinal marijuana prescriptions at the time, which <laughs> wasn't really ideal for her <laughs> particular career in, in medicine. And yeah. um, we just lucked out with a, a gig in, in Hawaii. Wow. And that was it. I'd never been. And I just flew out to Hawaii and lived there. And a couple years later, I, I had a friend of mine call me and said, hey, you know, I know you've been hunting and doing IR for a long time. And I know you're looking for productizing all the stuff that you've learned for seven mm-hmm. years. You really need to come sit and talk with Stu McClure and Ryan Perma mm-hmm. and Glenn Chisholm. They've got something really interesting they're working on. And I did. And I met them here at Black Hat uh, seven years ago. Wow. And um, we just had a conversation about threat hunting, which yeah. I thought was, was really fascinating. And they, they asked me, you know, where do you see the forefront going? And I said, look, I said, you know, we're out here. We're writing indicators of compromise every day. Yep. And we have a team of people writing indicators of compromise every day. Yep. And it is extremely hard mm-hmm. to get great IOCs that can really capture the essence of an attacker. Yep. Yeah. Um, if you're writing those, that's not a five-minute exercise, right? Nope. That's a full forensics workflow mm-hmm. and a full malware reverse exercise. Yep. And then you have to figure out what is hard for them to change that's easy for you to analyze. Yep. Mm-hmm. And that is, that's a skill. And that we found out that most people were writing bad ones. And I, I kind of said to them, I said, well, I, I would like to know how we solve that problem. How do I define an attacker in such a way that it becomes incredibly hard for them to circumvent what I was looking at, but very easy for me to adjust? Yep. And um, uh, I was and I was like, I, want, I don't want like hundreds of IOCs. I want millions. I want millions of things to look at. How can we look at all the data at the same time? Mm-hmm. And uh, Ryan's answer to, to me was, well, you do that with machine learning. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what is that? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Did not know. But right. that sounds fun. Because yeah. Learning machi- <laughs> yeah. machines that learn. Yeah. That's 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 where we're at. And so that's that was kind of the beginning of of that conversation. I said, this this is going to be super interesting. Yeah. We've been building these security teams with just great security minds and software engineers. Mm-hmm. And they were talking mm-hmm. about add adding PhDs and mathematics into right. the equation. And I was like, yeah, more math. I yeah. loved math. Yeah, when I was growing. I didn't do well in it. But I loved it, which is kind of a weird relationship yeah. that I have with mathematics. But I suck um, at math, but I, I find it fascinating. <laughs> it's fascinating, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I mean, you were talking about sort of the pyramid of pain, right? You know, mm-hmm. hashes, trivial, all the way up through TTPs, which is actual behavior. So yep. if you can actually construct your alert logic or anything like that to look at TTPs, mm-hmm. whether you, you know, married against MITRE attack framework or any of that stuff, that's where you're actually going to meet uh, that nexus of being high leverage. 
Yeah, and and when people think about threat hunting, I, I also think that there's also a lot of confusion between app applying existing threat intelligence and what I consider a pure threat hunting concept, which mm -hmm. would be having no information and using yep. the network for you, right? Right. Um, I used when when we used to teach, I used to tell people that, that you know you can try and know your attacker, and that's one path, or you can know your network and yep. your data, and that's another path. Completely and both agree. paths will get you there. Yep. But or a combination of both. Or a combination of both, right? And I think in modern uh, networks, I'm seeing a combination of both, which yep. is really healthy. Yes. Um, I think for a lot of times, it's very easy for a vendor to pitch, "Hey, I I have this information about a threat that you should be aware of." But that also creates a, a fatigue level. You know, right. how, mm -hmm. how many threat, I, I talked to an, an ISP in Australia and they were said, yeah, well, we, we buy 80 threat feeds. I was like, there Ooh. are 80 threat feeds in the market. Yikes. He's like, yes, we have them all. 80 threat feeds. Yeah. And I can't. That's I'm, $80 million. <laughs> <laughs> there is a poor soul who has to deal with the output of that too. And yes. I mean, whoever he is out there, uh, you know, we're thinking about you. Yeah. We're, but, um, it's to you. Yeah. That's a, <laughs> that's a tough one. And, um, and then there's the opposite, right? Which is the more you know about how your network should operate, the more anomalies can pop out and you can look at those and go yep. oh that's weird i don't know what that is but let's go check it out yeah and I th that's where the gold is in my opinion but so the way i define threat hunting is looking for activity that your security appliances are not mm. yes so are not able to detect how would you define threat hunting for those that are just getting into this yeah, space i think that's fair because um, I think there's this expectation that vendors will deliver the panacea of security. And right. when you implement that, they're there. And if you look, every vendor has a roadmap. Right. And every roadmap includes new things that they know about, but they haven't yet gotten to. Yep. And as a security practitioner, someone on your team, if you have a large enough team and you're lucky to, is kind of responsible for that gap. Right. right. What is my vendor not doing yep. that needs to be done in order that to, to provide an appropriate defense for the, the, the assets that I'm defending? Now, if you're in an SMB market or you're a mid market or you're not dealing with dealing with targeted threats on a daily basis, maybe that gap is not relevant for you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's that's great. Mm -hmm. But for those of you you know out there that are defending assets that are worthy of, uh, uh, um, you know, adversarial focus then um, you have a job to do to bridge the gap on behalf of that vendor. And that vendor relationship becomes, I think, extremely important. Yep. And um, yeah, it's, it's very strange. I'm, I'm now no longer affiliated with, with anyone. Yep. I've been in the vendor land for a long time, and I've seen a lot of ways on how I think the vendor relationships have been um, missed as an opportunity for people to connect. Yeah. A lot of people think, oh, the vendor's just out there making money. And I can tell you that that is true. <laughs> because that, that, is, that is how they're surviving, right? But there, right. Is, there is a core group of people in there who know that space. Yes. Mm -hmm. And all they are are mission-focused, and they are working tirelessly on that one particular problem. And mm -hmm. their, their interactions with customers are their, their, their eyes to the world. And a lot of times we get so focused on building a very specific thing that, it, and it takes that focus to get there, mm -hmm. that you know you forget that that's not the only problem in the world that a CISO or a security team is dealing with. Yeah, and we live in a world today where all of these vendors and products uh, allow you to customize the products that mm -hmm. or the services that they're delivering. They may ask you, well, what do you want us to customize? Right. I think uh, a lot of the times when I'm thinking about threat hunting, I'm also thinking about how are you tuning what you have already mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. bubble those things up in the first place. It's, right. You could have all the products. You could have even a great and organized uh, maybe a SIM or a data warehouse that you're storing information in. But if you don't have uh, the – if you didn't tune it, 
you, you'll never be able to sort through all that information in the first place. Yep. So sometimes the products can detect it, but I think that, you know, going back to Ewell's point, uh, it's typically the gaps that the products don't have today. Mm -hmm. And this is coming from, like, I'm also uh, in that capacity where I'm, uh, I have the tradecraft knowledge. I'm trying to apply it to products. But there's still an, uh, something that the customers need to do. Mm -hmm. They'll need mm -hmm. to tune it, and then they'll need to uh, r meet us when we get to the next milestone. Uh, but before we get there, they need to start already looking at those areas. Yep. So uh, Ron and I, we actually met at the same company, uh, General Alexander Startup Ironnet. He was a hunter, and I was the intel guy. Yeah. Uh, okay. You combine <laughs> yep. the two, that's yes. a powerful force. <laughs> Bring okay. it together. I like it. It. Yep. Yeah. And we were dealing, at that point, we were dealing with gigabytes of data. We mm -hmm. were uh, mainly uh, looking at network data from uh, a proxy perspective, mm -hmm. having it tapped, looking for anomalies with very little information, very challenging, heavy very, lifts, yeah. uh, but very interesting work, though. Very mm -hmm. interesting. What, what do you guys see uh, the future kind of going towards when it comes to threat hunting? Are you seeing trends in network, trends in endpoint, or trends in other areas that are kind of maybe a fusion of both? Well, that, that's a great question. I've spent 15 years in endpoint for right. the most part. And so my answer, obviously, is extremely biased. <laughs> endpoint. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, actually, no, I, you know, endpoint's going through a massive consolidation. And I think if you were to take um, – all of the different cool things that each vendor do does today. Yeah. Um, you know, when you look across the breadth, everybody has their kind of unique approach to the market, right? right? And when you when you can understand what that is and what that value is, and the identity of that vendor, you can start to see that none of them are wrong. Mm -hmm. Some of them are just more right, mm -hmm. and they're more right for a specific uh, cohort or demographic that they're pursuing, right? Yep. Um, it's very easy now to look at at a, at, a, at a, a vendor for me on the endpoint side and say that is a vendor that should stay in DC. Because the SMB and mid markets will never be able to use that or appreciate that technology right. because it's just not geared towards them. And I think yep. when we mm -hmm. talk about alerts and tuning, that is a result of a vendor attempting to uh, please as many people as possible without honing in their product. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's always yes. this balance, right? Yeah. As, as someone who was in product management at, at Silence for a while, serving the, the enterprise um, customers that wanted that granularity and mm -hmm. my SMB customers who had three to five minutes per day on the console, which is how we would measure that, is a daunting task. Yep. And uh, thank God for modern microservices and yep. the ability to, to deliver different experiences for different people. And I think that's gonna do a whole world of, of uh, help for a, a lot of the vendors out there. But you know, in terms of threat hunting focus, I see, um, I see a lot of consolidation, but I think the most powerful thing that will happen is a lot of automation, and which is part of the reason why I love the the concept of DevSecOps and and bringing that that concept of um, full automation and a full circle to the right. entire cycle. Right. I think um, when we before you would have this, you know, we we find something about out about something that we want to look at, we apply it to the network, we look at the output, yep. right? Mm -hmm. um, now you have, uh, you know, even the simulation, attack simulation software that can yep. start that and make sure that your entire system of APIs and all the data traveling from the, from the endpoints in the network all the way through the systems and yep. the logic, mm -hmm. and then coming out the other end and saying, hey, this works, yep. is just kind of an incredible, powerful thing because it's it becomes... Um, just a maintenance example, and then you can mm -hmm. you can keep adding to the loop. Right. And so, um, for those of you guys who are running networks who haven't gotten that loop closed yet, start thinking about that because yep. I think there's a lot of power in 
freeing yourself to do other things, which we all have other things that we need to do, mm -hmm. um, by getting those loops started and, and looking at a, you know a DevOps perspective and highly automating your 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 existence. So I don't I don't know if threat hunting. I think threat hunting will go that route is yep. my guess. Yeah. What, are, what are you guys thoughts? So am you, I close? You, I mean, you, I'm in vendor <laughs> land. I just came out of vendor <laughs> land. I got to open my eyes. You just again, touched right? on a lot of good things. Uh, one thing that I, I do want to highlight for people is like one of the challenges is getting the data first. Yeah. Like getting the data from your endpoints, from your network appliances and getting them in a place where you can actually like manipulate that yep. data. The next thing is being able to scale analysis across that data. Mm -hmm. And that's where you can get into your uh, detection logic and some of the other mechanisms to sort mm -hmm. of like find the signal within the noise. Um, the other thing that uh, you just brought up that I think is really impactful, and actually when I do sp speeches about purple teaming and things like that, is, is exactly what you just talked about. Is So uh, the way I sort of look at it is using intelligence to sort of set the context. Like what, what are the threats that matter to us, right? right. Then you are, your hunters are actually looking to see, could we see that yeah. if it was on our network? Yep. And then ultimately you want to automate that hunt. Right. And that's detection. Yep. So then you're constantly going through your network traffic, looking for that stuff while you're doing other hypotheses, like uh, your other threat hunt yep. hypothesis. Yep. Yeah. yeah. For me, uh, I, I, I'm seeing myself more hunting things in the cloud. So, mm -hmm. you know, we're definitely consolidating endpoints. We're seeing more uh, Chromebooks out and about. Right less applications installed on the endpoint. Mm -hmm. So I'm seeing a lot of opportunity to find very interesting and newer types of attacks mm -hmm. uh, via the cloud logs, mm -hmm. uh, cloud vulnerabilities, and uh, other mistakes that could be made in configuration. Sometimes I'm seeing a lot of threat hunting, and I see this is maybe not the direction that threat hunting is going to take as a whole, but mm -hmm. uh, an aspect is looking for misconfiguration. That's hunting the engineers really yeah. like all right hey you've yes. you've done a terrible job at this i can help you out here's some things that you should consider i think that that's uh something that could be very advantageous for threat hunters and that's a new i would say that's a relatively new kind of awareness that our security teams are having today that yeah. that the threats are not just a piece of malware sitting on a desktop but it's a misconfiguration and an, an access to data that in, you know, was an inadvertent mistake by an engineer. Yep. Yes, and that's AWS. a costly mistake. Uh, I yeah. mean, we've seen it in the news right now. So I just did a deep dive research into uh, threats against the cloud. Mm -hmm. And like 99.9% .9 of the time it was misconfigured like S3 bucket. It's incredible. Yes. Yeah. That's a different, it's a different dawn for, for security teams out there who are now oversight for uh, engineering and management teams that are out yeah. there. Yeah, that's tough. Yeah, and we're also offloading a lot of uh, applications and uh, responsibilities to vendors, uh, these services that allow us to host our infrastructure in the first place. Mm -hmm. So I'm seeing a lot of tra uh, transfer of risk to other vendors or other organizations, other groups. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I'm really enjoying and, and loving the fact that we're starting to hunt the misconfigurations mm -hmm. and resolve mm -hmm. them before the attackers even get there. Right. Uh, because even even when you find those misconfigurations, you might find the evidence that someone was also there before you and right. was taking advantage of that misconfiguration. Mm -hmm. So what? So if I'm if I'm a security practitioner and I'm, I'm listening to this podcast and I'm thinking, oh, I have cloud stuff and I am not currently looking for misconfigurations, right. what are the first steps that you would recommend somebody go through? Piggy. I'm, I'm changing the changing the dynamic <laughs> of the interview right now. Yeah, are we being interviewed? <laughs> yeah, no, no. <laughs> That's a great question, though. Um, I 
from my perspective, I'm I'm agreeing with Chris. Uh, S3 buckets are a great place to start. Yep. Make sure that where you're storing your data has security implemented. Mm -hmm. The right type of restrictions and access have been uh, either removed or granted. Mm -hmm. um, and also uh, closing ports on your EC2 instances, mm -hmm. uh, having some type of detection that mm -hmm. can bubble that up for you so you don't have to spend time searching through maybe hundreds of instances for uh, bad security groups, incorrect VPCs, mm -hmm. so on and so forth. So I think just starting with uh, looking at your environment and seeing what you have available in the cloud and understanding what's, what, it is, what is it open to yeah. and who has access to it. I think that's uh, a so great place to start. Take the inventory, review yes. the configurations. So it's not necessarily go right to your, your scanner and point it at your external face. And right. Start looking, it's, it's yep. start from the inside. And, yeah. okay. and even, uh, especially for the smaller companies that don't have these big robust teams, is show a little vulnerability and actually reach out to your cloud provider and say, I want to have this thing be as secure as I uh, possibly can mm -hmm. while allowing that availability to sort of be maintained and just say, can you help me, you know, sort of walk the dog and make sure that I'm doing everything correctly? Sure. Because yeah. I think we get we get into this mindset where we don't want to look like we don't know what we're doing. Yep. And that's really dangerous, especially in cybersecurity. So I think reaching out to your cloud provider would be huge as well. That's I think that's great advice. Yeah, that's a good. Thanks yeah. For, thanks for covering <laughs> that one. <laughs> what, what about your answer? <laughs> oh, um, uh, yeah. I, I mean, I think uh, I have to think about how we. You know, I, I did not run uh, those teams. So mm -hmm. so uh, there was a product security team at Silence who did a great job. And, uh, you know, Mandy had the same. I think um, I think that's how they are, they're looking at it today. Yeah, nice. Um, that, would be a, that would be, I know exactly who I would ask to see right. how they tackled that particular yep. challenge. Um, that's one of the disadvantages, I guess, of being in vendor land is there are, there are broad aspects of things that I know my customers are dealing with that mm -hmm. I'm always curious about. But... Here I am, nuanced in in uh, you know building uh, anti malware and mm -hmm. uh, and and EDR technology and um, you know reading books on UX research and yep. and those types of things. Uh, so I'm I'm happy to have a little bit of sabbatical time to go back to the roots and um, you know get my hands back in the tech again. That's awesome. Yeah. Speaking of that, what are you you know you're on a sabbatical now? You yep. said you're not affiliate affiliated with anyone at the moment. What are something that what is something that you're looking forward to uh, doing on your sabbatical? Oh man, um, you know, I've gotten a lot of different advice from a lot of people who have taken time off, and I think the the best advice I've gotten is wait till you're bored before you go and do your next thing. And and um. after 15 years of of startups, I'm I'm kind of at that point where I'm like, wow, I have. I think there are probably 40 books in a stack mm -hmm. uh, sitting in my office that are all things that I have wanted to read. And, and we're talking everything from um, uh, books on mindfulness and, and right. medita uh, meditation to um, you know, UX research and journeys and user mapping and product management related things that I was interested right. in. And then there are still like reversing books that are probably too old now to pick up. <laughs> but I, I still yeah. have uh, you know, some of the security books. And I know a couple of friends have written books that I told them I would read, and and you know some of them are security related. And I had a buddy write a, a book on fast food. Mm -hmm. um, oh wow! Yeah, really? so it was like the fast food history of America, which I thought oh, was wow. really cool. That's awesome. So um, a, a ton of reading. Um, I've got also two kids. Um, they're they're both under five. My my oldest is starting kindergarten. So wow, um, You know, reconnecting and and uh, yeah. you know being a dad for a little while. I was under my truck last week. Yeah. Um, you know, breaking stuff and then <laughs> fixing it. Uh, telling my wife I, I just wanted to be a mechanic. 
Uh, I don't think she flew for that one. <laughs> yeah. Um, I but, put my wife um, through that stuff all the time. Yeah. I'm like, you know what? I think I'm going to be a chef. You know, shout out to <laughs> the uh, significant others out there who put up with the yeah. ridiculousness. Yeah. She puts um, up with the most. She's right here <laughs> yeah. in the room with us. Yeah. Um, playing around with home automation, which I think is fascinating and dangerous. Yeah. Both. Um, wow. Have Equally. I, oh, man. I, um, I've, I think I've replaced my, my hub in my house three times after learning how much communication goes out of my house. Right. Yep. So, um, yeah, I, anything I think, but, um, but security, but you know, you come to summer camp yep, and, mm-hmm. uh, I, you know, I live on a literal Island, so I have to get off of it and yep, be yeah. able to have some, you know, face to face interaction with folks. And, uh, I really, it's just, it's been a bit of a blast at black hat and yeah. uh, I'll be at DEF CON as well. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm just looking for downtime and, uh, a little self care and, yeah. uh, finding out who I need to be and who I want to be so that the next thing that I take is. Um, you know, really there for me. Yeah. And um, that's a, that's a, that's always been an interesting challenge. I think one of the, one of the observations I made about walking through the, the uh, business hall and just talking to a lot of people here is that is not something we know. Well, we don't, we don't do that well as security practitioners. Mm-hmm. You know, we are, we are on, on the call all the time. We're yep, in screens yep. all the time. I was talking to a CISO friend of mine and he was like, dude, I'm literally, he just took the role and he's like, I'm awake at night. Like that whole, mm, what is it? Yeah. What keeps you up at night? Like that's Everything. a real thing. Yeah, yes. that is a real thing. And he uh, he is responsible for the security of an organization, and he has he has some people, but he's understaffed, and um, and the threats are are big, and he's yep. he's the guy that gets shot if something happens. Yep. And um, I just think about stress management and yes. taking care of yourself and your body, and I'm like, wow, no, who's teaching that? It's where's the where's the DefCon village for that? Right. And I yes. want to. I want to go to that and yep. learn learn some tools. Um, a friend of mine was also telling me that his company uh, puts on a meditation, uh, a, a guided meditation, mm-hmm. um, you know, little little session every yep. other week. And he just finally got to it, and he said, "Oh my, it's it's changed. It's it's changed his his outlook, and it's super refreshing. And he, it's something he's going to be pursuing." So yeah, um, yeah, that was one of my other observations too. Is I need to you know harden myself a little bit more. Yep. Um, you know, so that I can go out there and be you know the the security practitioner that I, I know I can be. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we have a track uh, layer eight where we cover all that stuff: productivity, mindfulness, ah, yes. uh, fitness. We That's talk great. about just everything to make the person better yeah. yes and I, I i think that's one thing that we're trying to push out there there is mental health hackers i, I haven't really interfaced with them much no, but I, I know they same. do focus yeah. on a lot of that stuff as well but yeah no uh, thank you so much for spending your very valuable uh continental u.s time <laughs> yes. uh, with us today it was a pleasure meeting you thanks for being on the show and i, I hope we continue this relationship going forward thanks after. for having me it was great to meet you guys yes likewise see you all next time Thank <laughs> you.